live from a shared universe podcast studio at Eatontown. No, we're not. We're not, guys. First episode from the road. I'm riding solo on this one. The show's called American Loser. My name's K.P. Burke. I'm a stand-up comic. At least I feel like one again. Getting to do some shows. Some socially distant shows. It's important to me, man. But uh, I miss having my dad around to do the show with me. If you guys don't know, like I said, I'm K.P. Burke. My dad is Lawrence Patrick Burke. He is my, quote, dilf of a dad. And this is our show, American Loser. Typically, I have a, a cute little boy across from us uh, named uh, the Big Kahuna, who'd be handling the ones and twos for us. Could not fit him in my overhead storage to bring him down to Jacksonville with me. However, he did teach me some stuff. Apparently not enough, because I fucked up on the Garage Band one, and I have an episode of the show that'll never be heard here, apparently. But now, we're operating over on the good old people at QuickTime Player, and I have my state-of-the-art microphone that I spent a shitload of money on, so I hope this sounds good. If it doesn't, I'm sorry, all right? The good news is about this show, it's scripted, baby. I can just come back to this thing when I need to. Uh, But I am excited. If you guys have not heard the show before, I'm actually going to go ahead and say this. I don't know if this is the episode you should be starting on. There's a magic in the room when uh, we get uh, a couple of jaw drop moments out of the kahuna where we blow his mind on stuff because he's he's a smart kid. But he definitely didn't know that history could be as interesting as we're capable of making it sometimes. And my father and me are both huge fans of American history. Like We like the entertainment value of it. Also, the show is certainly not a political show, but this topic, for some reason, I mean, well, not for some reason, it's obvious that you're going to have to, people are going to be thinking about this one. This one's interesting here, okay? Um, But, again, we're going to do our damnedest here. I want to keep the show rolling while I'm in Florida. Only going to be a couple more weeks, and I'll be back up in studio with Mike and Ming, who do take great care of us over at a Shared Universe podcast studio. Uh, Miss you guys. Uh, My old man's actually going to be coming down to Florida, so he and I will be in the room together. We'll be able to do a podcast or two from uh, South Beach, if you will, when uh, I'm going to leave uh, my second home of Jacksonville, Florida, where, by the way, that's how good my friends are down here. They're like, oh, you can't have a, a, you know, you can't record on your own? Of course, dude, come on, come, come hang out, all right? We'll get a little studio set up for you in uh, my buddy Billy's daughter's bedroom. She moved out. She's on her own now, and uh, I'm down here. I'm trying to be an independent woman, okay? Much like my buddy Billy's daughter, she's now an independent woman. She's out there in the world doing her thing. I'm an independent woman now. I have no kahuna to bail me out here. Or for me to yell at when the sound quality's fucked up or he sends me the wrong file. I'm teasing. It only happened a couple of times. <laughs> um, I don't have Ming to fix shit for me. I don't have Zapsic to... Uh, well, I mean, Zap, he knows the truth. He's a great guy. He's the bankroll, okay? He just he lets Ming have a little toy playhouse, and that's kind of their thing. But I do miss that whole crew up there. I hope you guys are doing okay. I hope the listeners are okay. I want to say thank you so much for the continued support of the show. I'm not taking any chances on the Patreon, Okay not taking any chances on that shit. I'm not going to learn on the fly with the Patreon. The founding losers, you guys are too good to us. That will be a Shared Universe podcast studio production. That will be coming out at the end of the month here. But in the meantime, i got to put out a weekly episode for you guys on a Tuesday. And I'm by myself, sitting in my buddy Billy, who's one of my best friends on planet Earth. I'm in his, uh, his daughter's uh, back bedroom here. So it's me, a couple of Disney posters on the wall. It feels sort of like a Shared Universe. It's almost like a Shared Universe if Kahuna got to design it, I would guess. But... Um, my father and I found this episode. We were very, uh, the topic, I should say, for this episode. We were very pleased with it. So, without further ado, guys, uh, today's loser is a guy by the name of Benjamin Bluff Wade. Now, uh, year at every three years or so, you know, get out and vote. Every vote counts. If you didn't vote, you don't get to complain. And it's repeated ad nauseum, all right, that it becomes very easy to tune out. And people want to believe their vote matters. But let's face facts, guys, all right? Especially in the presidential elections. Unless you're from a swing state, generally speaking, your vote won't mean much, all right? Plus, also, let's ask the question, has the presidency ever actually been decided by a single vote? 
Well, uh, yeah, actually, it, it did one time, uh, which is today's loser, the man who was truly just one vote away from being the President of the United States, Benjamin Bluff Wade. Born in Massachusetts in 1800, the eventual almost leader of the free world, worked as a laborer on the Erie Canal. I like that, a little blue-collar stuff, you know what I mean? He's got a little, you know, he's a smart guy, you'll show that. There's a little um, Matt Damon goodwill hunting action here going on, but... He's uh, doing the, the laborer thing over at the Erie Canal. That could not have been easy work. I don't imagine it would be. But uh, he early on shows a mind for uh, scholarly activities. And following in the footsteps of many other past and future near presidents and presidents, he would go into law because them's the facts, baby. All right? You want to get called uh, an American loser? You have to study law. That seems to be like 90% of it. That and a lot of our guys drop out of school and then go on to do something really big before screwing it up. But anyway... Wade is an interesting guy. He's admitted to the bar in Ohio. Now, keep in mind, he's from Massachusetts. Gets admitted to the bar in Ohio at age 28. The issues facing the country at the time were a couple of obvious issues. Uh, slavery being the, the biggest one ever. I mean, come on, that's been on the docket since the inception of the country. So, um, And as my buddy Chris Buck would say, imagine if they solved it then, what kind of world would we be living in? I always say that's an interesting, what would have happened if 9-11 didn't take place? If you could take one event back, like what culturally would be like all about if 9-11 didn't happen, but also what if they got rid of slavery from the inception of the country? What if we beat the UK to it? That would have been interesting then. That comes into the story a little bit here too in a second. But uh, the major issues facing the country at the time, obviously slavery like we talked about, the expansion of the nation where slavery again is an, uh, you know, an underlying factor there, uh, Native American affairs, and of course there's that whole idea that if we don't do something about this major dividing issue of slavery, uh, is that going to tear us apart? Is America actually going to work? Because at this time, we're still a very young nation, all right? And uh, there's a lot going on here. The idea that we might be an experiment that fails is still very much on the table. We're not exactly a world power just yet. I mean, we have a, a little bit of a face on the world stage, but they're like, add us crazy Americans over there, that kind of a thing, which maybe that's still how the world views us now. Who knows? Hard to tell, right? But... Anyway, Wade uh, is going to move into politics, uh, and this lines him up with some very colorful figures in what is known at the time as the Whig Party. Uh, the Whigs would later fall out of power and kind of have a rebirth of sorts in the name of the coming Republican Party. But as we cover on the show, A, we're not a political show, and B, we don't even like using political terms because they change. There's, um, they, they kinda, there's a, a, a water-like quality to them where it can move in any given direction, any given time. So you can say, oh, the Republicans back then did this, but it would be a very, uh, you know, it wouldn't be becoming of the modern Republican Party and vice versa and all that other stuff. And it's, it's a goofy thing. People try to sit there and be like, oh, yeah, well, back then, see, it was these people that did that. And it's, uh, don't be stupid, man, all right? Just, just give yourself the allowance of that one. Everything changes every 30 years. So just kind of go with it from there. But... This guy from the Whig Party, he was one of the uh, radical Whigs, okay, which sounds less like a political stance and more like a boutique that sells to RuPaul's Drag Race exclusively. Radical Whigs. Uh, he was an early friend of Ben Bluff Wade's named Joshua Giddings, and Giddings is a very interesting guy in his own right. In fact, in one of his uh, more formal photos that I found online, uh, Joshua Giddings kind of looks like Toodles from uh, Hook, the guy who lost his marbles. But... Uh, He's as sharp as anybody, and he's got the distinction of being one of the early people to be censured by the House of Representatives because he violated a gag rule on discussing the topic of slavery. That's how much of a hot-button issue it was, was that there was a gag rule. You weren't allowed to talk about that. So, um, Giddings comments on this 
that leads to his censuring, which again, by the way, if you don't know, censure versus censor. Censure means that he's, he just pretty much wasn't even allowed to speak even in his own defense. They're just like, moving on, all right, you're, you're, you're waving your time kind of a thing. So, uh, but this censure that he gets, it's a, it, specifically, he had to talk about the thing. You had to violate the gag rule here because they were hearing a case at the time, uh, which is known as the Creole case. And the Creole, who as a people, kind of a cool like uh, Louisiana thing, it's a mixture of Native Americans, uh, runaway slaves, um, like backwoods, uh, uh, what would be considered like cracker folk, you know what I mean? Kind of like uh, uh, John Ashley, the, uh, the pirate king of the Everglades, if you listen to last week's episode. But they have all these things going. So then you have the, the French Catholics that are moving out. Like everybody, it was a, a blending pot of the culture, which led to some really interesting things. And also Beyonce. So if you've ever enjoyed watching that woman fill out a dress, uh, you owe, or her music, I suppose. I'm sorry I'm being a male pig. <laughs> what do you want, guys? I'm, I'm living alone, okay? I'm living alone. But it is what it is. Um, now, uh, so the Creole people are different from this. That's, that's not what the, the legal proceeding is being heard about here. This Creole ship was an American slave ship that while it was out to sea carrying a bunch of slaves that were being sold by people to other people, which uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with uh, our stance on the show, but we think slavery is bad. So I encourage you to do the same if you're brave enough. But uh, it was wild. There's actually an insurrection on board the ship, and the people who were enslaved capture the ship while they're out at sea and then sail the ship to the Bahamas, where guess what? Slavery has been abolished. Kind of reminds me of that, uh, I think it was Henry Box Brown, if you want a cool way to, a little side story. He was an interesting guy. He was a slave down south who put himself in a box and then had the post office deliver him to a free state. It's pretty awesome. It's about, it's the great, if you show that kind of creativity, I don't care what kind of hate's in your heart or how much money you lost if you wanted to look at him as property, whatever the case may be. If someone shows me that much creativity and outsmarting me, I'd be like, all right, you got away with it this time. It's like the the first guy to use a spitball in baseball. You're like, hey, hey, hey all right. I mean, I struck out, but you know, we're going to have to work on some legal ramifications for this. <laughs> but that's what they did. They overtook this ship, the Creole, and they sailed it to the Bahamas, and slavery was abolished over there. Now, among the many legal issues that are erupting out of this was the fact that the slave owners who demanded that the U.S. extradite the slaves, which would mean that they wanted the U.S. government to go to the Bahamas and bring the slaves back, um, weird thing going on. The Bahamas, specifically Nassau, where they wound up, is under the control of the British government. All right, And if you guys know our founding losers, who have a bunch of merchandise, by the way, too, and thank you guys so much for sharing that with us, uh, you guys also got parts one and two of the War of 1812, which is, let me tell you, we had a fun time doing it, and I'm very proud of that. We did a great job with the research, but holy hell, I gotta be careful. Next time I try to tackle a topic that ambitious and sit there and think I can do it in two hours. But Anyway, uh, so yeah, uh, tensions with Britain are still going, they're pretty hectic around this time frame. This is pre-Civil War era, but leading into it, okay? And uh, we have, we don't really have that great relationship going just yet. So uh, the problem is this. That's the argument. They want to, you'd have to send American troops onto foreign soil to then capture people who were there in the other country to bring them back over here. And then Britain has already made slavery illegal at this point, and... You know, the, the United States is kind of being looked at poorly for the fact that they haven't moved on with that one, okay? It becomes a whole, you know, little egg on our face for a while here, if you will. But Giddings has these comments here. Giddings is, he's a fascinating guy. He interprets things almost to the letter of the law and uses, his argument is perfect, by the way. It's amazing. Um, 
what he winds up doing is he goes, well, um, you see, this is the comments, by the way, that lead to him being censured. His idea is, well, I've been told that the idea of slavery, that's a state issue, right? So the people who are, you know, he's an abolitionist, by the way, Giddings. He wants slavery gone. But he's sitting there and he goes, all right, well, do we want a federal government that can trample on your rights at all times? Do we want the local governments to do because they're going to have the best interest of the people? I mean, are we, uh, 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 how are we going to operate with this government? How are we going to interpret what the, the founders wanted? And so he very fairly, I think, says, well, it's a state issue, so that means the federal government has no say in it. So, of course, we, we're not going to send troops over there, you know? Pretty cool of them. Pretty radical. <laughs> Pretty radical Republican Whig. <laughs> but uh, because of those comments, he actually gets himself in some trouble here. People are just shouting, like, hey, you violated the gag order, the gag rule, blah, blah, blah. You, you can't be talking about that shit. Now he's trying to put together um, now the House of Representatives. It's like a shouting match. I mean, these were violent times still, too. Whenever people try to talk about, I can't believe politics nowadays, it's almost tame compared to uh, back in the day, man. Yeah, there's some wild shit going on. Don't get me wrong, but uh, Google Charles Sumner. Don't Google him too deeply. I'm probably going to do an episode on him soon. <laughs> Got to keep my... I'm the piano teacher, folks. All right, I'm not that smart. I'm just one lesson ahead of you. But um, Giddings' comments on that issue gets him in a little bit of trouble, right? Um, he's an adamant and staunch abolitionist. He's, again, using the, the letter of the law to affirm that the federal government has no business or right to get involved with this issue and getting argued against the idea that slavery should ever be considered a national institution. So that's a hot-button issue to begin with. And then here was the whole thing. The people whose slaves escaped, that was like they did not consider them people. They're like, oh, I lost my property. I need you guys to go get my property back. And they're like, well, we're not going to go get your property back. And he goes, all right, well, then I demand to, you know, where's – Someone give me some bailout money, all right? Make a, make some restitutions. They're like, well, we're not going to do that either because we're the federal government and slavery is a state issue. Take it up with the locals, you know? So that turns into a whole wild thing here. And Giddings, by the way, is a representative uh, of the state of Ohio. Again, that's where him and Benjamin Bluffway, today's topic, uh, the two of them are, are radical Whig Republicans. We're going to call them Whig Republicans because the Whigs go out of power and then the Republican Party is kind of born of it. And Giddings and Wade both considered instrumental in uh, the creation, if you will, of the Republican Party. But Giddings has a very strong ally for him, all right? If you want to have an, a friend, having a friend in the White House, whenever they have that old 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue address there, it's usually a, a pretty good letter. It's a good letterhead, you know, from the office of the president. Uh, in this case, it's former president, who's a, a good friend of uh, Giddings, in uh, John Quincy Adams, good old JQA, right? JQA, who had attempted to get rid of that gag rule on the discussion of slavery on the House floor years ago and was unsuccessful, uh, now gets pissed off as all hell when he finds out that Giddings was censured for it, and he attempts to intervene, but is unfortunately unsuccessful. So Giddings would then resign from his seat in the House and then win the seat back with a massive amount of support. So this is the ultimate Jesus Christ move by Giddings here. Oh, you're going... He's doing the Obi-Wan Kenobi shit. If you strike me down, I will become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. So he gets struck down, and then, boom, all of a sudden he disappears. I'm like, oh, well, we have to have a special election for his seat now. And then that guy is, he's already a legend now. He's a martyr. He goes back to the good people of Ohio, and he goes, I tried to do this. I tried to, you know, fight for what we believe in here in Ohio. And look what they did to me, guys. Look what the bastards did to me. And uh, because of that, he then wins in a massive landslide, and boom, he's right back in there, and now they can't do anything about it. So he pretty much, he got to just shoot double middle fingers. And uh, it's like when Stone Cold Steve Austin became, uh, he lost the title, but then became uh, the CEO of the WWE for a minute. One of my all-time favorite storylines, but anyway. Uh, now, if you're hanging out, if you're old Ben Bluff Wade, you're hanging out with this guy Giddings, 
for years, you can kind of appreciate this weird rubbing off effect they're going to have on each other. Now, where Giddings was representing, like we said, the radical Whigs and the eventual Republican Party for the state of Ohio as a representative, old Wade is in now as one of the state's two senators, first elected in 1851. It's my favorite part of doing this show, too, is that we get to find the people who are history fans to begin with, so we get to play to a casual audience, which I like. But uh, a lot of the people who listen to the show already know some stuff about history, so that makes it really cool because you guys already kind of know the timeline here. 1851, wild shit's coming around the corner in the country. I mean, it's always wild here in the United States, but it is what it is. So, um, But that's in 1851. Now, Wade is going to fight tooth and nail against certain things like the Fugitive Slave Act and the Kansas-Nebraska Act, both of which my dilf of a dad did a great job breaking down in previous episodes. Check out our back catalog. A couple of those back catalog episodes are actually going to come into the fold here. That's how we found out about this guy. So, nice wormhole to dive down. Um, Wayne is considered... I'm sorry, Wade, I apologize. Wayne is my hometown. Um, <laughs> Wade is considered uh, to be one of the most radical Republicans in all of D.C. He's talking about crazy things like women's rights, you know, uh, suffrage for uh, uh, you know, freed blacks, um, abolition, the ending of slavery altogether, kick flips, whole damn thing. This guy's radical. Um, Wade has also made, this was, I didn't know this was a thing before today, but he was made the head of the Committee of Territories and was actually a witness to the first Battle of Bull Run. Now, I say this often because it's so overwhelming for me to think about, but the first Battle of Bull Run, which is Bull Run if you're a Yankee, Manassas if you're a rebel, Miss Jackson if you're nasty. That's me waiting for Kahuna to roll his eyes whenever he hears this. <laughs> oh, I miss that boy. Miss you too, Dad, if you're listening to this one. And, of course, my mom, but they're going to be driving down to Florida here. We'll both be in Florida at the same time. We're getting you know, letters of complaint from Governor Phil Murphy. He misses us. Or he understands the business that American Loser was pulling in for the great state of New Jersey. But Anyway, this always blew my mind. People were so convinced that the fighting in the Civil War, which we know goes on for years, they thought that war was going to be over in a day. So people set up picnic lunches to go watch the, the rebels get put down by the feds or uh, the the rebels were going to whoop the feds, and the feds would come, you know, they were going to be a paper tiger. I mean, what's the deal going to be here? But Ben Wade is on hand when he gets to see this, and he is a witness and horrified to notice the poor tactics, uh, the, the terrible troop movements, and all-around shitty preparations of the Union Army. That's why they're so easily defeated that day, because the South just beat the shit out of the Union early on. I mean, you don't get really a good victory for a while, man, and Lincoln keeps firing his generals. It's like, you know, it, it's almost like, I don't want to say this example here, but it's like uh, Bill Belichick uh, versus uh, the Jets. You know, when he's with the Patriots and up there with the Jets, the Union's kind of the Jets. There's a lot of ineptitude. There's like, man, you had there's talent on this roster, and you're not doing anything with it. And do you have the right GM? Do you have the right coach? You know, what are you going to do here? So, time will tell. We'll see what happens. How much longer that whole rivalry sticks around? But anyway, Wade is so close to the action, he actually is almost nearly captured himself by the Confederates who, I mean, if you're a Confederate down there and you are trying to create your own, you've seceded from the Union, you've left the country because you can't stand, you can't get along with these people who want to end your way of life, which, I mean, whether you agree with it or not, doesn't make a difference. It's This guy is essentially the loudest voice in the room full of people telling you that uh, everything that you stand for has to go away. Your number one enemy, the loudest... Essentially, he's the Spike Lee talking trash to the Pacers, all right, uh, when the, the Knicks-Pacers uh, rivalry. But um, they have a chance to get their hands on him, and they almost do. Could you imagine what the, the 
bounty would be, the ransom, in order to get you know, this loudmouth senator from Ohio back. And uh, I don't think we want to know, and luckily we don't have to find out. So Wade's able to escape. He uh, continues, by the way, he's still doing the good work here while he's heading, you know, he's up on a bunch of committees and stuff like that. Uh, but he's starting to see some of his goals of abolition realized because uh, slavery is going to get uh, uh, abolished in you know, a bunch of federal territory, stuff like that. But see, now, as a radical Republican, staking his entire career on a, a, you know, abolition, that's his diehard number one cause here, you would imagine a certain President Abraham Lincoln and Wade would probably be getting along great, right? Nope. Nope, they do not. Wade routinely criticized Honest Abe and even wrote in a private letter that Lincoln's views on slavery could only come from a white trash man educated in a slave state, which is not exactly a ringing endorsement for the future author of the Emancipation Proclamation. Now, it's hard to tell what Lincoln's true morals were. I think I agree that he's a great president. I really do. But also you have this thing where he's trying, he's such a masterful politician. But the, the idea that we call him honest, hey, I'm just a good man up here doing it. No, he was a brilliant mastermind behind the scenes. He knew how to work a room. He knew he would play chess. You know what I mean? Not actually play chess. He probably did. But he was very good at saying, well, this move will force that. But then I can say this. And then that way I don't look that bad when that blows up in their faces. And I can say, we tried to give you what you wanted. And you guys couldn't get along. Right? But... It's interesting. So Wade routinely criticizes him, like we're saying here. And Lincoln is also notoriously slow for using African-American troops in the Civil War, which to me makes no sense whatsoever. I mean, I get it. I get that there was uh, maybe it hadn't been done in the past. There's the fear of, well, uh, you know, well, what's going to happen here? Not too long ago, there was a Nat Turner rebellion. That There was a bunch of stuff going on here. Are they even going to fight in the war? Are they just going to take the weapons, run off and join the Native Americans? Are we going to have, you know, <laughs> almost like that scene when they send in the... Uh, the Irish uh, in Braveheart to attack um, William Wallace at Falkirk, and then the uh, the Irish troops just stop in the middle of the battlefield. Not that they would go do that, you know what I mean? They're not going to go fight for the Confederacy. <laughs> Maybe that's a terrible example. I don't know. I don't have my dad here, guys. I used to bounce ideas off of him. But anyway, he's uh, notoriously slow, Lincoln is, about using the African-American troops. And this pisses Wade off. I mean, like crazy. Keep in mind, Wade is originally from Massachusetts, and guess what? Just a couple of years away... Um, good old Lincoln's actually going to, you know, the, the dream is going to come true for uh, this. Uh, now, a lot of people, they screw this up. They think of the 54th Massachusetts, they think that they're the first unit, uh, African-American unit, to fight for the Union. It's not them. It's actually the first Kansas, um, which, again, maybe that's where it should start because you can't talk about the Civil War without having to talk about Kansas a little bit. So that's worth noting. But anyway, the Massachusetts 54th, one of the most famous regiments in Civil War history, it's a... Uh, pretty wild. I mean, that is the topic of the movie Glory. If you haven't seen that one, I don't know what you're doing. Okay. One of the greatest casts of all time. But anyway, uh, that also comes from Massachusetts. So maybe that's like a hometown thing for him. That's Wade's original state. I don't know. That's my conjecture on the whole thing here. But these uh, two Republicans, man, they couldn't even agree on how to reconstruct the nation after the war. This was fascinating to me. I hope you guys are digging this. I hope the audio is good, too. I mean, I don't have a kahuna here to check in on uh, or uh, or to interrupt either. I mean, he's <laughs> that dude knows how much I love him. So uh, now Lincoln is considered to be too lenient by Wade and a lot of the other radical Republicans. Like, come on, we just fought a war against these guys here. Now you're just going to welcome them back in like, hey, all's forgiven. Right. Meanwhile, Wade is being considered to be like lashing an already beaten opponent. Like he's just throwing punches on a guy who's already knocked out here, you know. 
they talk a lot about healing the nation, man. You got to do that certain ways. I mean, some bad people are going to get away with some bad stuff, and some good people are going to suffer, unfortunately, man. It stinks. It's terrible. That's politics, though. That's why I don't like it. I'm not interested in politics till it's 30 years removed from the event, and I can read about it. So, <laughs> uh, so going ahead now, Wade actually sponsors something known as the Wade Davis Bill, right? He goes ahead, and I'll let you assume, you know, take a wild guess at home, folks, who's sponsoring that one. But the Wade Davis Bill demands things like black male rights to vote, okay? The installation of military governors to kind of rule the southern states like, uh, you know, uh, I would call them lords, maybe, you know, a little bit. Definitely military governor has a little bit of a, an emperor thing. And it's, uh, I think they called, Dan Sickles got installed down there. I believe they called him the emperor of the Carolinas. <laughs> um, and if you're new to the show, I don't know if I would recommend this one as your first episode, but you definitely should check out Dan Sickles, okay? He is uh, the biggest character we've ever come across here, I think. But the other key to this, in this Wade Davis bill, was uh, you would have to have a 50% ironclad loyalty oath sworn to the United States by any former Confederates. Meaning if you fought for the Confederacy, let's say there's a room full of ten people, at least five of those people have to get up and swear allegiance to the United States saying, and we'll never try to raise arms against the country again. That's your way of sitting there and saying, well, you know, you learn from your mistake, right, fellas? Right? One out of every, you know, every other guy, that's not a bad deal here. But Lincoln, his plan was so much more lenient that he goes, if there's a room full of ten people, I just need one guy in the room. One out of every ten needs to swear loyalty to the United States. Because he realized that might be a deal breaker. You might continue a prolonged war here. Lincoln's trying to move on. He's got big plans for the country, and this reconstruction thing's holding it up. Meanwhile, Wade is like, we got to end this thing. We can't allow for anything crazy to happen here. He's trying to force too much of an agenda down people's throats. And people, they, they always fight back, man. Whether it's slave insurrections, uh, whether it's um, going outside the letter of the law on certain things, there's always going to be room for it. So the more you try to subjugate people, the more they're naturally going to push back. So who knows who was right on this one? We don't know because we never get a chance to find out about the Wade Davis bill. But interestingly enough, side note, Wade Davis bill gets uh, voted on uh, and passed through the House with a pretty good margin. Okay, so it first has to go through the House. As you guys know, I'm just the bill, you know, from Schoolhouse Rock and shit goes to the House first, gets approved, then goes through the Senate, gets approved, and now it's sitting on Lincoln's desk. And what does Lincoln do? Boom. F.U. Wade. Pocket vetoes. So you did everything right. You wrote a good bill. You wrote everything legit. It was passing up through. Everybody seemed to have, you know, it was going to be good to go. You're getting bipartisan agreement here. Except the president shot you the double birds, all right, and peeled out in front of you and said, not on my watch, pal. Now this drives Wade absolutely batshit crazy. He starts accusing Lincoln almost out loud of being too lenient on the Southern insurrectors. I mean, Wade's, it's not hard to picture him bitching, walking around the house, just saying, like, you believe this shit? How can this get any worse? Lincoln's too soft on these guys. It's terrible. Then, uh, unfortunately, it does get worse. An actor and political activist named George Clooney, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, not, not, uh, John Wilkes Booth, sorry about that. Um, he shoots and kills President Lincoln at Ford's Theater, and the presidency is now in the hands of the notorious ill-fated President Andrew Johnson. For more on him, check out our two-parter titled The Worst President. That's how shitty of a president he was. He deserves two entire episodes of a show called American Loser. <laughs> I don't know what else to tell you on that one, folks. But definitely check that out. That was a fun one for us. Um, now, Wade was instrumental in the admittance of Nebraska and Kansas as states into the Union. Now, those were a big thing here, too, because you had to figure out 
prior to the Civil War, were we going to admit them as slave states or abolition states? That's where the whole Bleeding Kansas thing was happening. That's where, all right, so what are we going to do? We're going to get rid of East Coast you know, slavery and then just have West Coast slavery? I mean, that's, are they going to start, like, is it going to be the East versus the West in the next war here? It was getting, the push was coming to shove, man. That Civil War was essentially unavoidable. Depending on who you want to talk about, prior presidents to Lincoln, you know, a couple of weird guys in there named Tyler and shit like that. But anyway, Wade, uh, Wade's still kicking ass. He's a political force, though. He's absolutely a force that has to be reckoned with. He has a bunch of supporters. Uh, again, these radical Republicans, which, again, Lincoln is a Republican, but now he's not as hardcore as Wade. But he is now uh, able to be such an effective thorn in the side. Anyway, he was already a thorn in the side of Lincoln to a degree. But now he's an even more effective thorn in the side of now President Andrew ja- uh, Andrew Johnson. Jesus, I'm sorry, I almost said Jackson. Different, different guy. Other weird stuff to talk about with him. I'm in a city that's named after old Andrew Jackson. But by the way, before that, it was known as Calford. So Jacksonville's an improvement. Don't get rid of that. But uh, Johnson was originally the VP for Lincoln, right? And now the VP has no VP of his own because now the VP has been promoted into the presidency and he didn't have anybody. The original government structure at the time didn't follow the modern line of secession. For those who don't know, weird dumb civics lesson, because if I had to learn it, you got to hear it, (laughs) is that nowadays, if the president and the vice president, for any reason, are unable to continue to serve or are moved from power or office, whatever you want to say, for whatever many reasons, it could be a a plane crash that kills the two of them, uh, some sort of a, a plot, whatever... Whatever reason there may be, if the two of them are removed from power, nowadays the next person in line for the presidency would be the Speaker of the House. That was not the case back then. Okay, The original thing was that if the president and the vice president were removed from power or killed, whatever the case may be, the structure at that time held that the president pro tempore of the Senate would be next in line for power. And let me give you one guess who at the time of Andrew Johnson assuming the presidency all right, there's no VP now. Now imagine who's next in line, guys, to be president. Teddy motherfucker. I'm teasing. It's not Red. All right, it's not Teddy. It's not Teddy Roosevelt. No, it's a uh, good old Ben Bluff Wade. And now Congress is later going to have to impeach Andrew Johnson, who, if you thought that Lincoln was too lenient on the South, I mean, holy hell, Andrew Johnson, he's just trying to find somebody to love him. That's just a president that needs a hug. And he's going anywhere he'll get a hug, man. He was originally a Democrat. He was from the South. The original idea being at the time that uh, he'd be a more amicable, or not not amicable, but maybe a a more favorable to a voter, uh, VP, than Lincoln's first vice president, who was, uh, uh, was it Hannibal Hamlin? Yeah, yeah. Uh, He was from Maine. And that guy was all right, man. He did a great job. He was well thought of and everything, but you're not going to win over the South with a guy from Maine. So they thought like, oh, well, we'll reach out to you here. We'll get old... This guy's got some Democrat leanings, good old, uh, you know, Andrew Johnson. Why not? Let's give him a shot. And he's a fucking disaster. He's just a disaster of a president. It's not good for him, okay? Um, Now, he winds up becoming, he has the distinction of being the first president to ever be impeached. And just a quick breakdown of that. Impeached means uh, you're not removed from office, but the impeachment process allows them to maybe put charges forth to then have you taken and removed from the powers of the presidency. Okay, so... It's a little legalese kind of a thing. People still think that it means, oh, we got it. Yeah. We impeached him, so he's not president anymore. Well, it's a weird thing. It's a, it's a way of skirting around the issues a little bit. But anyway, here's the whole thing that's going on. I won't go into that because I don't want to ruin the listeners who have already listened to the show on this one. And also, I do want to encourage you, if you want to know more about the Andrew Johnson thing, I did some damn good work on this, and I deserve recognition, okay? So put my, I need that podcast hanging on 
your refrigerator that says great job with a sticker from my teacher on it okay but it's a little bit crazy right now when congress impeaches andrew johnson wade was sworn in as one of the judges so he's now sitting in judgment of this guy but even some of his allies start to be like "Ooh, uh wade is a little too interested in the outcome of this trial all right it's a becoming pretty obvious that by removing Johnson from office following the impeachment, Wade would have a political victory, a personal victory, and also he would now be president for the remainder of Johnson's term. So, I mean, who? it's one of those things you can't have, uh, you can't have the manager um, of the singer entering American Idol and then also being a judge. You know what I mean? You can't have, you can sit there and just be like, oh yeah, Simon Cowell, he's a, this is one of his clients, by the way, and he thinks they're just great. He thinks they're going to win the whole thing. In fact, he's willing to vote to decide it. <laughs> But even the people who were against Johnson and uh, felt that he was guilty enough to be removed from office, uh, they're starting to be pretty adamant about it. Like, I mean, you know, Johnson's a real jerk-off. He definitely was in the wrong here. But I don't know if swapping out a jerk-off for another jerk-off is a great move for us. I mean, plus, uh, this guy's way radical, man. I mean, at least Johnson we can talk to a little bit. And Johnson, if you want to talk about a, a, an infant-like response, I believe when he was trying to be served the... Uh, um, he was finding out he was being impeached. I think he barricaded himself in his office with the furniture and just was hiding out. Nope, no one in here. Nope, Andrew Johnson's definitely not here. You guys better come back another day. So, but again, there's that other thing too where Wade is, he's almost scaring more people. It's, uh, you hear it sometimes when there's a, a scary vice president attached to somebody like, did you really want that person to be a heartbeat away from the presidency? And in this particular case, there's no VP to fill in here. So that president, you know, uh, the, the pro tempore, if you will. I think I got that. <laughs> I'm trying, folks. I'm trying. I'm just a dumb kid from Jersey who tells dick jokes and decided to believe in himself. All right, I believed in myself. I said, maybe I can't start headlining some of the smaller rooms. You know, all the New York comics seem to think I'm funny. Colin Quinn follows me on Twitter. I'm going to go quit my job in excavation and really focus on my passion. And then a pandemic is going to break out and ruin everything. And I'm going to have to go back down to Jacksonville for stage time. That's how backwards this year's been. A New York City comedian went back to Jacksonville for stage time. So, <laughs> But this is what's important here. Uh, one paper even wrote this, and I did say I was a comic earlier, right? And that's true. But I could not write anything funnier than this, all right? Um, that a lot of the people at the time, they would say, Andrew Johnson is innocent because Wade is guilty of being his successor. So let's get rid of Johnson. Oh, shit. If we do that, then we got to deal with this. So I don't know. That seems like a whole... It's like when you have a... Um, you don't like your manager at work, but your assistant manager's an even bigger jerk-off. So you're like, well, it'd be great if my manager got fired, but, oh, God damn it, that means so-and-so's going to be in power. I mean, I'm not talking about the time I worked at the Home Depot, but my sister knows. <laughs> so anyway, as I'm going to continue with the story here, we got to wrap up in a couple of minutes, but... Uh, again, Johnson's a jerk, but uh, so's Wade. And his radical ways and uh, Wade's steadfast beliefs, they've made Wade enough of a pariah within his own party. By the way, pariah meaning, you know, you don't want to talk to him. He just he walks into the break room, you're like, huh? <laughs> better get back out onto the floor. Made him enough of a pariah that during the final votes, during the impeachment process of 1868, of which Johnson was the first, by the way, a little bar trivia for you. Try to win that one tonight, guys, if you can. Enough members of the Senate were torn away from rightfully removing Johnson just because of their fear of a Wade presidency, that the final vote comes down to the difference of one. All right, and that one vote keeps Johnson in power, lets Johnson finish his term, 
and keeps Ben Bluff Wade from being the president. So Benjamin Buff Blade was one vote away from the presidency. It never happened before. might never happen again. But in this particular instance, one vote is what kept... And it wasn't a, through an election. Well, let's be fair about that. There's a, there's a matter of policy. <laughs> but it's not the last time that Wade is nearly a member of the executive branch, by the way. I mean, there's some appeal to that. The guy's been in Congress his whole life. He's sitting there, man... Just be great to be in the executive branch, have a little veto power, maybe be the VP, sit and be the, the president, you know, of the of the Senate. That'd be kind of cool, right? Set it over there and hang out a little bit, you know? Up my real estate value. I'm sure it's a nicer salary. Who knows? I'm not sure I should look that up. But uh, anyway, around this time frame, Wade's not fully out of politics just yet. He's still considered a radical Republican. They gotta figure out how we're gonna heal this nation. Johnson's proving to just be as lame duck of a president as you can imagine. And the Republican Party, they have this star on the rise, a guy by the name of Ulysses S. Grant. He's also a Civil War hero. And it was strongly suggested to Ulysses S. Grant when he was attempting to run for office that he take Wade as his VP. And Ulysses S. Grant, who, by the way, is a pisser of a guy, and everybody who wants to know more about him, you can feel free to check out uh, you know, anything you want about him, really. Uh, we talk about him in the William Tecumseh Sherman episode, but the History Channel did do a great job on that. Almost as great of a job as they would have done had they picked up a certain project that we had discussions about pre-COVID. I'm just, legally, I'm not allowed to say that, actually. But whatever. I'm just try to forget about it. I should make this Patreon just for that. I'm kidding. By the way, Patreon, just five bucks a month. All right? One large cup of coffee from Dunkin' Donuts. I'll give you a bonus episode every month, and you keep the show alive, all right? But anyway, I'd strongly suggested to Ulysses S. Grant that he goes, you know who'd be a great VP for you? Benjamin Bluff Wade. And Grant goes... Eh, fuck that. Nope. Just says nope, straight up and moves on, man. Uh, Wade will then be forced. He winds up losing an election. All right, so he's kind of split his base. They're like, oh, he's a little bit too radical of a guy here. And he quietly returns to uh, his law practice. He actually gets involved in the idea that we might, be, there was the opportunity for us to buy and then turn into a state, the Dominican Republic, which, man, that would be crazy. That's how dumb I am, by the way, too, guys. I only within the last year or so found out that Haiti and the Dominican Republic are the same island. <laughs> <laughs> Say what you want about uh, the quality education of uh, New Jersey public schools. Right? I know a lot of stuff, but I didn't know that. But anyway, he returns uh, back to Ohio. He's remaining active in local politics. He's still, you know, uh, law practice. I mean, I'm sure he's speaking a bunch. He's a well thought of guy still. He's a good party guest, right? Passes away in 1878. Many of the principles uh, that he had fought his entire life for were realized within his own lifetime or shortly thereafter. And uh, maybe one day a single vote might be the difference in a major election. Uh, but until that day, guys, the only man to ever be able to be one vote away from the presidency is Benjamin Bluff Wade. I want to say thank you so much to everybody uh, who continues to listen to the show. I hope the audio is okay on this one. I'm learning. I'm learning on the fly. If it's bad, I'll have to put out some bonus episodes to make up for it. Please don't lie to me about that, though. All right? And uh, if my audio is good, I want to uh, shout out to uh, good old Stu Greenberg and Nick Franco. Nick Franco, I'm very sorry I had to cancel on your podcast the other day. I do now have access to this guy's studio over here. That's where I'm recording from right now. So I hope it sounds okay. I'll do your podcast, buddy. All right? I apologize to you and Pete. But uh, otherwise, guys, I'm having a good time down here in Florida. I'm getting to do a little bit of stage time. We're keeping it safe. All right? My parents are coming down here uh, shortly. They're going to be staying safe and a little bit warmer here. I've had flip-flops and a T-shirt on for all of January. It's been pretty great. Okay, so 2021... A lot of bad shit going on there. I hope you guys are okay out there. But let me tell you, it is nice to be able to ride my bike during January. And uh, as the people who are suffering up in New Jersey know, I mean, they're probably shooting me middle fingers as they're listening to this. I'll be back. Don't worry, guys. I'm coming out. I got a couple more weeks down here, and then I got to come back up. So 
we'll suffer through it together. But I will not be shoveling any driveways this month, I'll tell you that much, guys. But as always, feel free to check me out. It's KP Burke over on Facebook. I'm still writing jokes, putting stuff out there. I do have a project me and my buddy Andy Highroller put out where if you guys, sometimes I get asked, I go, well, I want to hear the episode where you're the American loser, KP. Well, I'm not shy about my vulnerability, guys. I put out a little project called uh, KP Burke. It's a side, a little action that's uh, going to be some storytelling stuff. I'm collecting stories from interesting friends of mine over the years. The uh, show's going to be called Smoke and Crack with KP Burke. Uh, crack spelt in the Irish sense of C-R-A-I-C, which is uh, kind of like what's the crack, that kind of a thing. That's their gossip, storytelling, bar banter, shit like that. So I've always noticed over a couple of beers or even over a cigar, like I got into cigars a little bit over the summer, which is a weird thing to think about. I'm like, oh, I've been dabbling in cancer recently. Have you? <laughs> but anyway, uh, so that's the idea of the show is that over a cigar, you can usually pull a good story out of somebody. Same way you can at a bar. There's other people that get drunk too fast and screw it all up, like my buddy Nate, but he's still funny. <laughs> but I uh, sat down, uh, smoked a cigar, and wrote out a short story about, uh, uh, it's called K.P. Burke and the Betraying Member. And that one is over on my YouTube page, so check that one out. It's also over on uh, Instagram. It's on my Instagram. Um, I believe it's on the Instagram live feed or that whatever the Instagram TV thing. I'm sorry. And that's at KP Burke Sucks over on Instagram. The American Loser Podcast page is up over there as well. Check me out on Instagram. Anybody who's been sending me messages, I get so many great messages from people. I really do. And it means a lot to me. So I try to, if you ever get a response back, know that it's from me directly. Okay, I'm trying to stay up on top of that, but... I'm lucky, man. I got a, We have a very loyal and good following for this show, and I love you guys very much. If you feel like making the jump over to Patreon, please do so. If you want to show up, just make a donation and then listen to a couple of the back episodes and not renew it, that's fine too, man. That money goes into the pocket here. And uh, by the way, I shouldn't say pocket. It goes right into me continuing to afford to do the show. Because as I've proven today, I do need a kahuna in my life, all right? I'm trying to do my thing here. I hope the audio quality is good. I got my state-of-the-art mic that my old pal Joe Fernandez told me to buy. Ming tried to teach me how to use GarageBand, but again, I'm a moron. I'm not good at this shit. I'm not good at tech. I can sit down and write a story here. I can tell jokes up on stage. I can do a lot of push-ups for some reason, but I mean, that's just kind of the way my shoulders are built, I suppose. But anyway, uh, you guys were fantastic, and I, I hope to keep the show alive and running, and it means a lot to me that you guys care enough about it to listen, all right? So thank you so much. Stay safe out there. And that was Benjamin Bluff Wade, American Loser. <laughs>